Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. This is continuing the second half of the sentence that began at the end of Nehemiah chapter 7. So at the end of that chapter, it said that all the people were gathered together. And now it says, verse 1, All the people gathered themselves together as one man into the broad place that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. According to the law, once a year all of Israel was supposed to stand and hear the law read out loud to them. Ezra wanted to obey that law, so he gathered the entire congregation that were there in Jerusalem, and he had them stand and hear the law. This would have taken quite a while to have it read to them. It may have taken days. 3. And he read therein before the broad place that was before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women, and of those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They spent every morning reading the law. 4. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Aniah, and Uriah, and Hilkiah, and Messiah, on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, and Mishael, and Malchijah, and Hashem, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra has leaders on his right hand and on his left, listening to the law with the people, and they created a pulpit, especially so that he could be seen by the people. Now Ezra has twelve representatives, six on his right and six on his left, which means each of them is representing one of the twelve tribes. 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. When it says that he was above all of the people, it means that he was on that podium higher than their heads. 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with a lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and fell down before the Lord with their faces to the ground. When they say Amen twice, it's like Jesus saying truly twice, and it's also like God sending a dream twice. It's confirmation that surely it will be done. These people are saying Amen twice to show that they will definitely follow the Lord. 7. Also Joshua, and Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, even the Levites, caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. The Levites are also teaching the law on this day, and affirming that the people must obey it. 8. And they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading, meaning they explained it just like we're doing in this podcast. They wanted to make sure that the people understood and that there was no confusion on the people's part so that they would be able to obey the law, because you can't obey it if you don't understand it. They were actually teaching the law carefully to the people. 9. And Nehemiah, who was the Tirshatha. Nehemiah is the current governor. 
And Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They wept because they were repentant. They had broken hearts over their own sin, and they were ashamed of their years of sin. But he said, Because you're repenting, this is a holy day. Don't cry. Be joyous, because now you're going to live a new life. A lot of people cry when they get saved because they're weeping over their past sin, and at the same time, they're weeping for joy over their salvation. So it's natural, but most importantly, God wants us to rejoice because we're saved. It's His pleasure to forgive us. He doesn't do it grudgingly. He does it with joy. 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is telling them to go and party, share sweets with each other, give each other desserts, and have a good time, and bring food and desserts to those who are shut in, who can't get out of their homes, and make sure everybody has a great day. But it's all in the name of the Lord and in the name of salvation. That's what they're celebrating is salvation. And that's really worth celebrating in this life. Now, you know, in heaven, the angels shout when we get saved. The New Testament tells us that. So on this day, the Israelites are giving each other desserts and delivering desserts to to their neighbor's doors. The angels were shouting. 11. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. The Levites would not allow them to cry. One time in the New Testament, the religious leaders who were hypocrites confronted Jesus because his disciples didn't fast and grieve over their sins. And he told those religious leaders, how can they grieve when I'm with them? And you know, when you get saved, God is with you. 12. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. Mirth is laughter, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. We have a lot to be happy about when we understand the gospel and the law and the words of God, because then we can respond, and that's so beautiful. There's many people in this world that don't understand, so we should help them understand so that they can have joy too. And in heaven, there's going to be a lot of mirth, which is laughter. 13. And on the second day were gathered together the heads of fathers' houses of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to give attention to the words of the law. Ezra and Nehemiah are working together. Ezra was in Jerusalem first, and he started the process of building the wall. But then Nehemiah came as governor to help complete it and to make sure that it got done without interference. And Nehemiah even had everybody holding weapons to protect the wall and make sure that it got built. So Nehemiah knew Queen Esther, probably in her older years, and he also knew Ezra. 14. And they found written in the law how that God had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. This is the Feast of Booths, and this is where the Israelites would 
make a tent or some sort of makeshift shelter outdoors and put palm branches over it and stay in the tent for seven days. And this commemorates the traveling of the Israelites through the desert to the promised land. And for you and I as Christians, it commemorates our travel in this wilderness of life where we're tempted and we face trials. But God is with us, and he shelters us, and ultimately it celebrates that we will be in heaven, a brand new tabernacle with him, which is his very home, and we will tabernacle with him in heaven one day. 15. And they that should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount, and fetch olive branches, and branches of wild olive, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booths, as it is written. When Jesus was transfigured, meaning that Moses and Elijah appeared from heaven with Jesus before James, Peter, and John, what Peter said was, Lord, if Moses and Elijah are here, why don't we make a booth, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? And the reason that Peter said that was because it was the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths. It was that time, and <laughs> Peter was trying to help Moses, Elijah, and Jesus celebrate the Feast of Booths together. And that's why he said that ridiculous statement. Now, after that, Jesus went into Jerusalem and the people laid down palm branches and their clothing ahead of his donkey and his donkey walked over the palm branches and their clothing. Now, the reason the people all had palm branches was not a coincidence either. It was the Feast of Booths, where they were supposed to have these branches from the trees and make their booths with. Because when you make your makeshift booth, you put palm branches or other tree branches on top of it to shelter under. That's why everybody was carrying branches. And when they saw Jesus coming, they're like, whoa, why don't you walk on our green carpet of branches for you? And so instead of putting the branches on their booths, they put the branches down in front of Jesus' donkey and made a pathway, a beautiful pathway for the donkey. That's why there's palm branches when Jesus entered Jerusalem and why Peter said, let's make booths for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. 16. So the people went forth and brought them, and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the broad place of the water gate, and in the broad place of the gate of Ephraim. They put booths wherever they could fit them, because during the week of booths, you don't sleep in your own house. You sleep outdoors in that tabernacle that you made. It's a full week of camping for the Israelites to commemorate the Israelites camping in the desert. You and I being camped out in this life on earth where we don't really belong here. We're not citizens of this world. We're passing through as campers and travelers. And it also commemorates one day when we go to heaven and we will live forever, camp forever with God Almighty. 17. And all the congregation of them that were come back out of the captivity made booths and dwelt in the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. I'm surprised that they never celebrated this feast during King Solomon's time or King David's time. I suspect they did celebrate the feast, but they left the booths out of it because they all had houses, so they didn't think it was important 
to dwell in booths. But during this time of Ezra and Nehemiah, they made a point of dwelling in booths because after all, not all of them even had houses yet. They were still in the process of rebuilding Jerusalem and some of those people could have been homeless. So it was a perfect time to pull out the booths. 18. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the ordinance. They followed the law. He continued reading the law every single day. It did take multiple days for them to hear all of the law, but they would hear it from morning to noon, and then the next day the law would continue being read. And that concludes Nehemiah chapter 8.